Before we get into today's broadcast, I want to let you know about a special gift I have for you. I am so excited that we are walking together through the book of Hebrews. Friends, we're going chapter by chapter, phrase for phrase, sometimes word for word. And I want to send you a Hebrews Bible journal. This would allow you to take your own sermon notes as we study together. You can journal your prayers, and I know this is going to be a great complement to your study through the book of Hebrews with us. If you go to my website, awakenedtograce.com, find the Hebrews Bible Journal link, and when you give a generous gift of any amount, then I will send you this Hebrews Bible Journal that I know is going to enrich your walk with the Lord and your study of Scripture. Today on Awaken to Grace, we are in part two of a sermon called Jesus, the Creator. We are walking our way all the way through Hebrews chapter one. And I tell you, friends, it's been some of my absolute most favorite scriptures to explain. Doesn't the scripture say that we should rightly divide, or in other words, rightly handle the Word of God? And that's what we are attempting to do through the book of Hebrews. We are trying to rightly handle it. Well, I'm so glad that you're with me today because we are going to show why it is so important to God that we view Him and that we worship Him as our Creator. This is a sermon that today's culture needs to know they need to understand well let's go to god's word and let's grow in our faith together out of hebrews chapter one today you and i are to worship god alone and not his creation can we say amen to that So notice the contrast. He says, everything is going to perish, yet God is going to remain. If you want to write this down, there's a beautiful doctrine about God called the doctrine of immutability. That means God never changes. Spell it. Immutability. I-M-M-U-T... If I was in my office, I'd say, Alexa, spell immutability. (laughs) Wayne, you got anything? Or therefore? (laughs) I'm kidding, brother. (laughs) God does not change. Everything is going to perish, yet you remain. What a stunning statement in the scriptures. Now, again, church, I take you back to 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 19. Why is this so important? Because the scriptures say you can entrust your soul to such a faithful creator. 
Could we entrust our soul if God was going to perish? Could we entrust our soul if God was inconsistent? Could we entrust our soul if God was always changing? No, he is never changing. And that's why he is a faithful creator. Everything is going to perish, yet he is going to remain. Now, note what it says next. Uh-oh, I forgot it. Help me out. And they will all wear out like a garment. Gosh, I think of that word all. I think, how many galaxies do they tell us there are? How many stars do they tell us there are? How many planets? And yet it's all going to wear out. Friends, things are not improving. Things are wearing out. It's interesting. The one thing that scientists still do not quite understand is light. And what does the scripture say God is? He's light. My personal belief, if you can, you can Google this when you Google how to spell immutability. <laughs> My, uh, you, can, you can Google this. The first scientist, I think, that began to study the speed of light was some centuries ago, and they began to believe that the speed of light is actually slowing down. And that is confirmed. Scientists now tell us the speed of light is slowing Sometimes I wonder when Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden, I don't, I don't think that they were just completely naked. I think that they were clothed in light. And when they fell, they, fell, they lost God's glory, which I think was light. And I think because the speed of light, because things are deteriorating, they're not getting better, they're deteriorating. I wonder if that could be one of the reasons why humanity lived for hundreds of years back in Bible days. And as the speed of light slows, what does that do to our physical lifespan? Interesting. Things are not getting better. They're all going to, what's the scripture say right there? Wear out like a garment. Verse number 12. Hmm. Like a robe, you will roll it up. Now that's interesting to me. Like a robe, you will roll it up. Like a garment, it will be changed. Now why is God saying such things concerning his creation? Friends, you know what I believe it's saying to humanity, to us? I believe it's saying that because Christ is the creator... Because Christ is the sustainer. What does verse number three say? He upholds the universe by the word of his power. What does verse number two say? He created the world. See how all of this just reinforces chapter one? 
See how all of the logic just, it all stacks upon each other, line upon line, precept upon precept. And because according to verse number two, he is the creator of the world. Because of verse number three, he is the sustainer of the world that effortlessly, simply by the word of his power, he sustains everything in the universe. According to Colossians 1.15 and 1.17, there isn't anything not made by Christ. And he upholds it all by the word of his power. And the scriptures literally say that Christ holds everything in the universe together. If that is true, then is it any wonder Satan wants this culture to belittle Jesus as much as it can? Is it any wonder that Satan wants this society to dishonor God as much as possible? Is it any wonder that Satan wants you so distracted from the glories of Christ that your mind is dull to heavenly and godly things? Feel the weight of this, that if it's true that right now our very existence is held together by the word of Christ's power, then how can you and I not worship him with all of our strength? How can you and I get angry and out of anger say, Jesus Christ, if it is true, That right now we exist because of the word of his power. How distracted we are from the glory of Christ. And what the writer of Hebrews does, he so masterfully, he takes our self-centered eyes off of our world and our bubble. And he puts them solely on the Lord Jesus Christ. I find it absolutely fascinating. He's going to roll it up like a garment, like a robe, and like a garment, it is going to be changed. Now, why does he say it's going to be changed? Now, what did we say? Why is God going to judge the earth? Because the earth is as much under the curse of sin as you and I are. And you know what God's going to do? He's going to discard it. Now, why can he do that? Because what did we just say? If according to verse 2, he's the creator, and according to verse 3, he's the sustainer, and he upholds everything, Well, friends, according to verse 12, that means he is the proprietor and that means that he can destroy it as he sees fit. But do you know why God is going to one day destroy creation? Do you know why? Isaiah 43, 19, because God loves to make all things new. Because of Revelation 22, God is going to make a new heavens And God's going to make a new earth. And God is going to restore everything back to his original plan and his original design. Amen? Amen. I don't know about you, but uh, 
I get pretty excited thinking about God's new. But see, so many of us don't. You know why? Because our minds are dull. Our minds are in social media. Our minds are in Amazon. Our minds are on Google. Our minds are in sports. Our minds are in our hobbies. And they're dull. And we don't think about what God is doing that's going to have eternal ramifications for us. Oh, I tell you how much I love these scriptures. They have centered me like nothing else. Why is God going to judge his creation? Because it's under the curse of sin. But God's not finished. God's going to create a new heavens and God's going to create a new earth. Therefore, what is now the old garment is going to be made brand new. It's going to be changed to God's glory. Amen. And now look what he says at the end of verse 12. What fitting scriptures. Now again, what's the point today? The point is God's going to contrast Christ, his son, to creation. The creator to the creation. So now look what he says speaking of Christ. This is a direct quote out of Psalm 102. As a matter of fact, why don't you go there with me? Go to Psalm 102 and look with me at verse number 23. Because I think this is going to explain something about why the writer to the book, to, to, to the audience of the Hebrews, I think this explains why he is going the path he's going by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Now remember what we said. We've already invested six weeks in understanding chapter 1. And what we saw were seven unique glories of Christ in just verses 1 to 3. And then what we see in verses in verse 4, we see that Christ is better than the angels. And then verses 5 all the way to 14 is really a commentary, it's an exposition, it's an explaining of just verse number 4. And in those verses, from verses 5 all the way down to 14, the writer of Hebrews is going to quote seven Old Testament scriptures to show that God affirms the deity of Christ even in the Hebrews' Scriptures, even in the scriptures themselves, Christ is affirmed. I was listening to Dr. Tony Evans. Anybody ever listen to Tony Evans? Oh, I love Tony Evans. When I grow up, I would love to be Tony Evans. And I was listening to him preach the other day on the road to Emmaus and how before they realized it was Jesus. Do you remember what Jesus did with the men on the road to Emmaus? Beginning with Moses and the prophets. He went all the way through the Old Testament showing himself. And Tony Evans said something that really perked my ears. He said, here is the key to Bible study. Always look for Jesus in the Word. When you always look for Jesus in any text, you're going to find him. Boy, isn't that great? Amen. 
So the writer of Hebrews gives us, verses 1 to 3, seven unique glories of Christ. And then verses 5 to 14, he's going to give us seven affirmations out of the Old Testament. This sixth affirmation is found here in Psalm 102. And this is where he says that the Lord laid the foundation of the earth and how the heavens are the work of his hands and so forth. But I want you to look first, though, at verse 23. For what does it say of the Lord Jesus Christ? This is a prophecy about Christ. That his days are going to be cut short. If you read all of Psalm 102, and because the Holy Spirit teaches us out of Hebrews 1, this relates to Christ, you see the pain that Christ suffered. You see the agony of Christ's life. You see the true suffering that he faced in his humanity. You should read all of Psalm 102 with the view of the Lord Jesus Christ and his sufferings. Now, here is my point. Say amen if you're with me right now. I'm going to go somewhere right here, and I'm going to talk in just a moment about the consistency of God. And I want to talk to people who you grew up in very inconsistent homes, very inconsistent environments, very unreliable adults in your life. But let's understand this before we get there. Christ did not only suffer upon the cross. You realize that. Christ did not only suffer in the garden of Gethsemane. Christ did not only suffer during Holy Week. Christ suffered his entire life on the earth. His whole life was a suffering to the glory of God. And to the Hebrews, in the Hebrew mind, according to the scriptures, long life symbolized favor from God. So what perplexed a Hebrew audience, what perplexed the Jewish Christians was how could Jesus at only age 33, at the prime of his life, how could he be cut down? If God had favored him, how could he have lost his life at only age 33? This perplexed the mind of a Hebrew. And don't think for a moment that Christ didn't feel that. For read Psalm 102 for yourself. Read how Christ felt that his life was cut short. Read it for yourself. It's fascinating. Now... What is the point? <laughs> the point is, now say amen if with me, because you're going to miss it if you're not with me. Say amen if you're with me. Okay, I got most of you. I'll take that, most of you. Jesus, as the Son of God, is from everlasting to everlasting. But what about in his humanity? Jesus, as Son of God, is from everlasting to everlasting. But what about his humanity? In his humanity, he was born on a certain date. In his humanity, he died on a certain date. 
In his humanity, it would appear that that is the end of the story. In his humanity, it would appear that that is the finality of it, but no. What the scriptures say about Jesus is that your years are never going to come to an end. Not just that you're everlasting to everlasting. Yes, he is as the son of God, but we're talking about Christ in his humanity. What does it say? Your years, they were cut off at 33. You were cut short. You were cut down in the prime of life. But what's the scriptures affirming? But no, going forward, your years are never going to come to an end. What's this mean? That means that Jesus in his humanity has now been given eternal life. What are the ramifications that now as Christ ever lives in heaven, seated at the right hand of God? Friends, Christ is there in the flesh, in his glorified eternal body that you and I will one day have. But he's the firstborn. He is the first fruits of the resurrection. And you know what? You know what the weightiness of that is? The weightiness is that Christ in his humanity, as our kinsman redeemer, that Christ, even now, you could feel the scars within him. He is as the lamb who was slain. He is in a perfect, glorified body and his years are never going to come to an end. Do you know what that means? That means for over 2,000 years, Jesus has not aged. (laughs) He has not grown tired nor weary. He has not worn out. Is it not fascinating? And what do the scriptures say? He ever lives to make intercession for us. How? In his glorified body. That as the son, he is everlasting to everlasting. It is deity. But in his humanity, he now lives forevermore. So what does this mean for us? Well, what did we say? If Christ indeed is creator... And now we see Christ in his humanity as the sufferer. And if Christ lives forevermore and he is the same and his years will never come to an end, he will always be, then what does that mean for us? It goes back to 1 Peter 4 and 19. You can entrust yourself to such a faithful creator and you can go on doing good. Why? Because you're entrusted to Christ. I realize as I counsel so many families and as I pray with so many people, I realize that many, many people have grown up in a hard home life. And don't think that that is new to our culture. It's not. One thing that I appreciate so much about the truth of God's word is how crazy dysfunctional it shows us families are in the scriptures. Read the book of Genesis. Read the book of Judges, and you'll see some dysfunction. If Satan ever wears you out that you have not been the best parent, 
Perhaps your children are grown. Perhaps you're a grandfather or grandmother or even great-grandchildren, perhaps. And you just feel like you blew it and you weren't good parents. Well, take heart because the patriarchs of the faith, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, were crazy parents. You want to see dysfunction. Look at the patriarchs of the faith and you'll see dysfunction everywhere. Chad, what's your point? The point is, if you were raised by unreliable parents, maybe they weren't there for you the way they should have been. Maybe your parents played favoritisms like Jacob, like Isaac and Rebecca. Perhaps your parents neglected you. Maybe they abandoned you. And what happens is perhaps the environment that you grew up in or maybe, maybe it wasn't even your parents. Maybe it was uh, another adult in your life or someone who had a responsibility over you and they did you wrong. Often we let that come into our view of God, the Father. Let these scriptures Realign your heart. Let them realign your emotions. Let them realign your thinking. That people will come and go and people will fail you and people will walk out on you and people will abuse you and people will neglect you and people will mistreat you, but God is going to stay the same for you. Have you visited my online store where you can find books, music, sermon series, and so much more. I hope you'll go there today, awakentograce.com slash store, and keep checking back because our resources that are designed for spiritual growth are always growing. awakentograce.com slash store.